We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Irish Breakdown Nation. It is time for the IB Nation Sports Talk. My name is Brian Driscoll. I am guest hosting for Sean Styers. He will be out tonight. He will be back tomorrow, however. Uh, for uh, going to have a couple shows tomorrow, actually, because Sean, tomorrow night, this is Sean Davis, the recruiting analyst at Irish Breakdown, also co-host of the Lucky Lefty Podcast. And tomorrow night's the first installment of the college football playoff rankings. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that at the end of the show tonight. We'll also have a show after the rankings tomorrow night which will follow the Ivy Nation Sports Talk show. But tonight, Sean, you and I are going to talk Notre Dame-Clemson. Yeah. And we're going to just kind of just discuss the opportunity that Notre Dame has in front of it. We'll get into some of the comments that Coach Freeman made today about the Notre Dame-Clemson game. And then we're also going to discuss comments he made about Brian Mason and what they mean about Brian Mason, but then also what maybe they could mean for some other coaches on the Notre Dame staff and if they could apply similar principles to – to their job. So, I mean, Sean, it's number five Clemson, you know, it's the team that for the last six, seven seasons has been the, you know, the Alabama and Clemson were it, right. They were the two consistent programs. Clemson had a, you know, down year last year at 10 and three. There's a lot of teams that would like to have a down 10 and a year that at 10 and three, but you know, they're back to being one of the better teams in the country. I don't think they're fully back to being what they were from 15 to 18, but still a really good opponent, a really good football team, and a big, big test for Notre Dame and a big opportunity for Notre Dame because, let's be honest, Saturday against Syracuse was a great win. I mean, you beat a ranked team, you went on the road, it was great, but it doesn't erase what has been up to this point in time, a, a disappointing beginning to the season. You follow that up with a win over Clemson, Sean, and all of a sudden the narrative about this football team starts to change. And you start to say, okay, now we see why, you know, Marcus Freeman is the head coach. And now you see what this team is capable of. Now you see, oh, yeah, it wasn't about the talent. Lose this game, and all of a sudden we're kind of back to where we were a couple weeks ago. So that's the opportunity. And then, of course, there's the recruiting implications. You and Ryan Roberts had a show today at Irish Breakdown. We won't regurgitate that because it was a great show. Listen to that one if you didn't check it out. 
tons of big time recruits on campus. Great recruiting momentum opportunity for Notre Dame as well, Sean. So, I mean, the, the it, I mean, Coach Freeman said it today, right? This is why you come to Notre Dame. It's for games like this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yo, it's one of the things we pointed out in talking about the Syracuse game. Like, would Syracuse be ready for the moment? Because Notre Dame has a moment every week. Either they're in a big game or they are someone's big game mm-hmm. every time they step on the field. And when you come to Notre Dame, that becomes the norm. It's no different than Clemson coming to town. Like Marcus Freeman said, this is what we do. This is what This is why you come here. And that is the message to the recruits that will show up. Like, this is what it is. Like, you're here for one day, but it's a big game every week at Notre Dame. We are Notre Dame. And it's going to be a challenge. But it becomes probably a different type of challenge than I think even the players expected. And what I mean by that is that I believe the players probably expected to be 7-1, and 8-0 going into this matchup if you ask them honestly, in the summertime. But unfortunately, that's not the record. But the importance of the game and the gravity of the game for the success of the season, even though there have been some slip-ups, still remains. You know, And without question, you win this game and you start building towards November and that big matchup at the end of November becomes even bigger. And now you're talking about after having disappointing losses, a sweep in November going into a big-time bowl game, you feel pretty good about a first-year head coach that has gained a lot of experience. Brian, you know what? There's a phrase, you know, that we are familiar with from a biblical standpoint, like, you know, you need go through Samaria, right? Mm -hmm. There are certain paths that you have to take. But a long term, 
I think everyone would want this team to be undefeated. Sure. Have an outside chance sure. of the college football playoff. But what we've seen gained in experience and toughness from the head coach and the foundation of things being established for the program moving forward, Notre Dame might have had to go through something like this season. No, we don't like the fact that it's at five and three right now. Maybe they could have gone through some of these things at six and two without the loss to Stanford or seven and one. But either way, I think the way things are as it sits today goes into what you just talked about. There's an opportunity here that is right before this team, this coaching staff, and this program, and they should take full advantage of it because it's right there for the taking. It's not something that's without, like out, out of their reach. Sure. Like, it's right there. Right. It's right there. Yeah, Clemson's a good team, but as Marcus Freeman said, we're a good team too. Right. Sean, when you talk about this game and when you talk about what Coach Freeman has been through this season and, and what mm-hmm. he's learned, look, there were mistakes that were made, right? Notre Dame yeah. didn't. Notre Dame, no matter what happens between now and the end of the season, Notre Dame will not be the team they should have been big picture. Mm-hmm. But as you stated so well, there are times you can say, look, this isn't how we wanted it to go, but it's how it went. And here's what we learned from it. We didn't expect it to happen this way. We didn't want it to happen this way. I'll never be someone that says, you know, looking back, I'm glad they lost three games. No, I'm not going to say that. What I'm going to say is, boy, I'm glad they learned the right lessons from those three games. And not every coach does. You know, not every coach goes through those type of experiences and says, hey, this is the correct lessons to learn. As we talked in the Syracuse Post game show, you started to see this, the the fingerprints of Marcus Freeman and more on the entire the tired nature of the football team. And now all of a sudden the offense and defense started looking a little bit more like what the special teams has looked like all season. And we'll talk about that a little bit, but it's one of those things where, yeah, you don't want to go through it. You don't want it to be that way, but if you learn the right lessons from it, it can make you stronger than you otherwise would have. Right. You know, you don't really know how you're going to respond to being tested with fire until you're tested with fire. Right. You don't know how you're going to handle that adversity until you actually have to experience adversity. And he talked about that a little bit today. And we're not going to play that part of the press conference because we're only allowed to show three minutes of a, of a press conference per, per rules. But you know, he talked about, you know, yes, winning is like somebody asked him about learning from the game. And he talked about, you know, you want to learn from the game. But then he went right into basically talking about how, but we got to make sure we don't lose sight of the lessons we learned from the failures, and I thought that was really savvy. Like, yeah, I mean, you have you can't just say, oh, we've won, we've arrived. Yeah. It's like, hey, you get a little too big for your britches. Hey, I got Stanford tape from like two weeks ago that I can pop in for you real quick if you, right. you know, if you think you've arrived, you know what I mean? And you don't think you got to put in the work today or whatever the case may be. So I think those are important things to look at and say winning the rest of the way doesn't absolve the team of the losses to Marshall and to Stanford. Right or the struggles to beat some other teams. But what it does is that, okay, you're now back on track. The path mm-hmm. was this to a championship. This was the path you were on, right? And you took a little detour. You got a little bit lost, but you found your way back on and you're back on track. May not be this year, but it, it can be for next year. And I, and I do think that how you finish the season is important, John. Absolutely. We've seen this a lot. I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, about USC in 2016. And, you know, by the end of the year, nobody wanted to play USC in 2016. Well, Notre Dame has a chance to kind of be that team. They're not that team right now. They're not that team because of what they did to Stanford. They're not. 
I mean, they, they should have beat Stanford. I mean, let, let's be real about this. The win over Stanford was great. Love it. You went on the road, you beat a ranked team. But if Notre Dame was the team they were supposed to be, they would have been ranked higher than Stanford and would have been favored against Stanford. I mean, they would have been, right? If they'd have beat, if they'd have beat Marshall and Stanford, when they, I'm sorry, Syracuse. When they went in to play Syracuse last weekend, Notre Dame would have been ranked higher. It would have been yeah. a top 10 team, only would have lost yeah. Ohio State, and they'd have been favored to win, right? So you you aren't that team yet. This is the opportunity to say, okay, yes, we're back on track. We're back on track. And, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're becoming that team. And, and, and if you don't win, you know, it's at the point now where I, I know this is year one of Coach Freeman's tenure, but this is year 13 of a rebuilding experience that's been going on for a while. And part of the frustration with the previous coach was, I'm sick of almost winning those games. Mm-hmm. right? It's time to win those games. And that's the other part of this, Sean, is the opportunity to go out and beat a team like Clemson with no excuses, right? No, well, they didn't have their starting quarterback, and they didn't have right. this guy, and then of that guy, and then right. you know, a month later they beat you in the ACC title game. You have a chance now to to beat them, and there's nothing they can do about it until next year, you know, when you've got to go to their place. So, it's a tremendous opportunity from that regard. It's a great confidence builder because I feel like, you know, I don't want to say, like you and I were talking yesterday and, and, and about this. You know, I don't want to say that that there's no way Navy and Boston College can beat Notre Dame because Marshall and Stanford beat Notre Dame, right? Right, right. But what I, what I meant was, what I'm saying about, what I feel about it is, if you beat Clemson and Syracuse back-to-back, then that team that lost to Marshall and Stanford, that team that lacked confidence, that team that lacked the emotion, that team that lacked the fire, the direction, the discipline, the leadership, and all those things that cause you to cause you to lose those games, that team dies because that team has to die in order to be the team that can beat Syracuse and Stanford and, and, and Clemson in back-to-back games. And that's my point. And I think that team will be gone, and then we'll see what Notre Dame is the rest of the way. And that's kind of what this opportunity presents as well. And then finally, of course, Sean, the perception. The perception that 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 is there for Marcus Freeman, that is there for this Notre Dame program. If you beat Clemson in a game where it's not a fluky game or something like that, where you just go out like, you know what, Notre Dame was better that day, then that's that final, that's that final thing to say, okay, Marcus Freeman has officially arrived as a head coach. He went through the ups and downs at Notre Dame, but he stepped up after Stanford. He made the changes. He did what was needed to be done. And now this team is finally where it should have been. It took a little longer than it should have. Yeah. But the point is they're there. I don't know about you, but I, I would take some flukiness. I'm cool with that. No, no. I'm I'll cool take a win no matter what. That bounces off of two Clemson guys into the hand of another yes. game receiver. I will take a win no matter what. My 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 comment is more of the perception of Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, I totally get what you're you saying. know would would be different. But yeah, for me personally, I'm taking a win however I can get it. Do There's you no think doubt about it. That this is you know because if we're honest, as much as they would say no if you asked them publicly, I think they put a lot of energy into that Ohio State game. Sure. And I think the Ohio State loss was a letdown of sorts. And I don't think – I'm not going to say they weren't prepared because they had a fourth-quarter lead against Marshall. Right. Did they play well? No. But at some point, you know, you can forget what got you here. 
right? Yeah. And you can think that it just is going to happen, right? Yeah. I don't think anybody, I think we all were watching that Marshall game saying, okay, they're about to take over. Okay, they're about to take over. Okay, they had a ball in Marshall territory up three. They're about to go down and score and take over. Sure. And they didn't do they didn't do what was necessary to finish the task. And that was a tough lesson. That's a tough lesson. I think a lot of the leaders, Jared Patterson took it hard. Isaiah Foskey took it hard. And a lot of those young, a lot of those leaders, along with the players on the rock, they had to look themselves in the mirror. They had to I, look think, I think it took them a while to figure themselves out, Sean. Yes. Yes. I'm, you're right. You're absolutely right. And also, I think we're starting to see big picture. I think we're starting to see some buy-in to some of the things they're being asked to do, you know, and Clemson is going to go a long way to kind of verifying. Correct. That. Or showing, Hey, you yes. just out-talented Syracuse. That's all you yeah. did. Yeah. Right. Syracuse's quarterback. Cause if you lose to Clemson as well, Syracuse's quarterback was beat up. He didn't play second half. You know, you got that pick six early, and that kind of threw them off. And yeah, it's just a it was just a good day for you and a bad day for them. But you're still five and four, and you still lost to Marshall, and you still lost to Stanford, and you don't have a win that negates those losses. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. That's the difference between Clemson and Stanford or Syracuse. I don't know why I keep saying Stanford, but you look at Clemson, you look at at Syracuse, and you, this is two teams that played each other tough a couple weeks ago. They're very similar in style. Yep. They're built differently. You know, Clemson's bigger and you know, different type of personnel, but they're really good defensive teams that want to run the football and not turn it over on offense. I mean, there's a lot of similarities between Clemson and, and Syracuse, yeah. which is why that game between those two teams was so close and hard fought is they're very similar teams. And, and, you know, but perception-wise is Clemson is here and Syracuse is here and Notre Dame is here and Notre Dame is trying to get to here. Yeah, And I think that's what that's what this is because this is still one of the te- the elite teams in college football. Are they worth they were with Deshaun and Trevor? No, they're not. But they're still one of the elite teams. They're still a team that's twenty and or was it tw- uh, eighteen and three the last two years? Yeah, and has won. I mean, how many games in a row? Right. I mean, because they started off like what, like two and three last year. I mean, yeah. Clemson's won. Let me look at their twenty-one schedule. They won their last six games in a row, and then they've obviously started the season off eight in a row. So they're running. We're winning fourteen games in a row. You know they're not they're not the team they were. But they're still pretty good, and you know we're gonna spend all week diving into the matchup and all that kind of stuff. But it's still Clemson, and they're still undefeated. They're still the number five team in the country. I'm actually a little surprised they're as low as they are. They got Louisville. I mean, after this, they got Louisville at home, Miami at home, and Sarah and South Carolina at home. That's <laughs> that's probably a three and zero finish to the season. Absolutely, absolutely. So you, you finish this year with it. You know, beating the ACC. Col- I mean, here's another thing too, Sean. If things pr- go the way that they're going right now, mm-hmm. there's an opportunity for Notre Dame to say we beat the ACC Atlantic champ at home. We beat the ACC Coastal champ on the road. Yeah. Now, Clemson right now is six and zero in conference. Syracuse is three and one. The next two best records in the league are Florida State and Louisville, three and three apiece. The only team with a shot to beat to beat to knock Clemson off of the the Atlantic Division title is Syracuse, but they would need Clemson to lose twice at home to Miami 
or and and um, who did I just say? It was Miami and Louisville. Louisville. They would literally yeah. need it. Clemson only has to win one of their next two games after Notre Dame because the Notre Dame game doesn't matter. Yeah. Two of Clemson's final four games are non-conference games. If Clemson beats one of Miami or Louisville, they clinch the Coastal because if they tie with Syracuse, they win the head-to-head. Yeah. And then you look at the Coastal Division. North Carolina is currently 4-0 in that division. The next best teams, there it's uh, Duke and Miami are tied at 2-2. Two and two. Now, North Carolina has already beaten Miami. They've already beaten Duke. So, again, those teams would need North Carolina to lose three times, and they play at Virginia, at Wake Forest, home against Georgia Tech, home against NC State. They would literally need North Carolina to lose three times because North Carolina would likely have the head-to-head. again. Now, that's, of course, unless Miami and Duke both run the table, then there's a three-way tie. But the odds of that happening right now, based on the schedules, are not, no, are not no. high. No. So there's a good chance that North Carolina and Clemson are going to be the the ACC representatives for the ACC title, and Notre Dame can say we beat both of them. Honestly, that's that's for me at this point. That would be a pick'em game for me in that Which ACC one? championship game. Oh yes. Oh yeah, that, that Carolina receiving core against yeah. this Clemson that secondary? secondary. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, very oh, yeah. interesting matchup. And like you said, the resume. Look, Notre Dame has no one to blame but themselves. This resume was a should have been very impressive at seven and one going into this week. Very impressive, right? Yep. Ohio State, North Carolina win, Syracuse win. Three, at least two big wins, seven and one. You lost Ohio State, okay. If you come away with the victory against Ohio State, you're undefeated. But like you said, that's water under the bridge right now. Right. You got bigger fish to fish to fry. Yeah. That's closing out this season and building. Yeah. Continue to add to the foundation, right? Foundation, the foundation is by percentage is the most expensive thing in building a home. Right, especially if you want a really good one. I think it's somewhere like eight to ten percent of the home's total cost. But it's the most important, right? Because if you mess up the foundation, you pretty much have to tear everything down. Mm -hmm. If it's a bad foundation, you have a great foundation and you have some imperfections, you know, some windows here or a wall here. Okay, We, we can we can deal with that. And in laying the foundation, like we said, if they had to go through this to lay a good foundation for the program moving forward, then okay. Like, we don't like it. We wish we didn't have to experience the tough losses. But you know what? Brighter days are ahead. Sure. And and, and one of those brighter days could end up being Saturday night around 11 o'clock. And that's the opportunity here, Sean, right? Yeah. Notre yeah. Dame Notre Dame will be defined more by what it does from here to oh. the end of November. Absolutely. Than what it was in September to October. Now, those will, those will always be part of the conversation because then there'll be the question of what could have been. But I would much rather deal with the what could have been conversations because you beat Clemson and USC than the you know, seven and five football season and, you know, it's a disappointing year. Cause that's, I mean, we're, we're, we're looking at potentially nine and three or seven and five. I mean, that's really like a realistic look at it. 
Those are very different things. Eight and four versus nine and three, very different in my opinion, right? But the perception of this football team at nine and three would be so much greater with wins over Clemson and USC than if this team went nine and three, but lost to Ohio State, beat Marshall, beat Stanford, lost to Clemson, lost to USC. Because then you're just a Brian Kelly coach team again, right? Because that's what Kelly's record would have been against this kind of schedule. That's what it always had been in the past. Mm-hmm. You lose to the teams that are ranked high. You don't beat those teams, right? And so that you look at it and say, okay, I mean, what was the stat that you said? If they if they beat Clemson this Saturday, they'll have more top 25 wins than what Brian Kelly had the last two years combined. Yeah. Right. That's what the opportunity is. And now your perception has changed. And the point is, doesn't excuse the losses. I want people to understand that this is not what we're trying to do here. We don't do that here. It doesn't excuse the losses. But what it says is we have learned from those losses and we've come out stronger. And that's how you finish the season. And so I think those are the things that that the uh, that's the opportunity that's in front of Notre Dame today. And I want to play Coach Freeman's comments from today, Sean. And just so you can kind of hear him t- talking about in two different sections of the show uh, of him talking about just here, here's the opportunities that's in front of the team uh, when it comes to playing Clemson. And, and we're going to speak on, we'll talk about what he says, but there's some very interesting things that he said. So I'm going to just play that here now. That's what you get when you get a team like Notre Dame and Clemson. You know, it's a heavyweight battle and uh, two great historic programs that get to go and clash it out that it's probably going to be one of those games that um, come down to the last couple series and who executes the most. But, you know, I remember Ian Book throwing that long pass, I think, to Avery Davis, right? There's a couple plays that just stick out in my mind. I know that at the end of the game that they got after the quarterback a little bit, didn't give him a chance to really throw the ball um, in that second overtime. And I'm just thinking back, like, there's plays as I'm sitting here talking to you, like, just like, oh, man, I remember that play, you know? And uh, I think, uh, did Dorr have a big hit? I think I remember him knocking somebody. Bramley, not Dorr, Bramley, yeah. Yeah, like, he rocked somebody. I'm like, man, they got a punter that's in freaking, he's physical, man. So uh, there's some, I mean, as we're talking, like, there's just plays that come to my mind. But I know at the end of the game, Notre Dame was victorious. I know we got a battle coming ahead, a tall task coming ahead of us. But listen, man, I, I want our guys to say, you're Notre Dame. Right. And that, you know what, this is what we do. We play in big games like this. You know, it's not it's not a David versus Goliath. This is a heavyweight fight. And uh, we got a dang good football team that I've always said it, man. We do exactly what we're supposed to do. We got to we're good enough football team to to win every game we play. But you know what? We have to do that because we've seen if we don't execute, we don't do our job we're not going to be victorious. And you've seen that in some of the games we played this year. So um, this isn't, a, as I said, this isn't a David versus Goliath. This is Notre Dame versus Clemson, two powerhouse, two blue blood programs that are going to go battle Saturday night here in Notre Dame Stadium. Sean, I, I thought his comments were so were, were important because now it's one thing for him to say it, okay? That's fine. It's good. The importance is, is if that's the attitude that he then – puts onto his team during the week of practice. Hey, fellas, this is not a team, because here's the danger. Clemson is so good, and this is how good, you know, they're this and they're that, and we got to play the perfect game, and and if we don't play the perfect game, we can't beat them. Number one, that's you, you're talking yourself down, number one. Well, number two, you're putting this really crazy uh, 
expectations of perfection. And if you don't come out right away and you're hot and blazing, then you can't beat that team. I felt the 2020 team needed to kind of be that. They needed to kind of come out and sort of play close to the perfect game to beat Clemson. That's not the reality of these two teams now. And I think that's the point that he's got to get across to the players, Sean, is, hey, fellas, you don't have to be perfect. We don't have to play out of our minds to beat Clemson because Clemson's up here and we're down here. We're Notre Dame. We're on the we're on the same level with them. We're the same. We're we're every bit as good as they are. That's something. Even if deep down you don't necessarily believe that, you've got to. That's got to be the message. I actually do believe that, and and we'll get into the matchups of uh, of this particular game during the week of our shows and explain why we see that. But it's one of those things where you say, "Hey, listen, it is." It's the mentality of we just go play our game. And he talked later in the the show. He made a comment. He's like, look, it's just do your job every single play. You don't have to – Isaiah Fossey, you don't have to play out of your mind. Just do your job every play. Drew, Drew Pine, we don't need you to be Trevor Lawrence. Just do your job every play. And if you make a mistake, bounce back and get it on the next play. You have to have your that mentality in this game because if you put this pressure of we have to play this perfect game to beat them, then you're going to be so you're you're you know what you're going to be so tight that you're just not going to be able to 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 win this game. And the first time some adversity hits, you're just bam, we're done, we're done. And that's been that real tight mentality we've seen from this team so many times in these type of matchups. And that's what has to be different. It's like guys, you're Notre Dame. You don't have to worry about Clemson. You're Notre Dame. Do your job. Do your job. And I really like that message. It was important because, you know, as, as you responded on Twitter to that comment, Sean, Marcus Freeman should not be allowing the conversation of, you know, the David versus Goliath, this big – it's an upset simply from where the standings are and what the yeah. spread is because of we didn't handle our business going in – between you know, coming in. But as he said in the, in the thing, you know, and early in the podcast is, but we are that team. So he keeps reiterating his football team. He said it after Syracuse. We are a darn good football team. Yeah. And he's not letting them feel sorry for themselves. We are a darn good football team. You've got to believe that, though. And that belief is how you go out and play. And that's how a team shows up on the road against a really good Syracuse team who just outplayed Clemson for a big chunk of that game at Clemson. How Notre Dame walked down the field and said, I don't care what you did against Clemson. We're Notre Dame. You're Syracuse. And now we're going to show you for 60 minutes what that means. Yeah. And that's and, the mentality this team needs against Clemson. And I'm sure IB Nation is going to have that shown to them throughout the week with all of the shows that we're going to do with the different matchups. When you start looking at the matchup of this game, you're going to recognize, as we've been saying, this is not the Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson, Clemson team. Good team. Yes, good very team. good team. But not as deep, very talented, front seven on defense, questionable, questionable positions on the offensive line, questionable quarterback play. It's like, it's a lot of flaws that Dabo himself is trying to figure out coming to this matchup, which is probably beneficial that they will be coming off a bye week for them because they, they, they've had time to work on the things that they need to work on. But this is what I love about this matchup. And it takes me back to 2020. They look like the bully. They sound like the bully but they got to prove to us that they're the bully. Mm-hmm. We're not running. We got these big boys eating. They ate against Syracuse. We're going to try and make them right. eat against you. We're not coming with tricks. 
We're coming straight ahead. Right. And we're going to run the ball. If you stop us, congratulations. Yeah. But you're not going to stop us from running. We're running the ball. That's what we're doing. Right. Have fun. Because it's going to be, it's going, I don't know how cold it's going to be. Not very. It's going to be a physical. Bring your lunch pail. Tell your mama to turn her face from the TV because it's going to get ugly. And the last time that Notre Dame faced this team, they dominated the physical aspect of the game six of the eight quarters in 2020. And I don't think the offensive line is as good as this offensive line, in my opinion. I don't think they were coached as good as this offensive line is going to be coached against Clemson. Now, it's debatable whether or not this Clemson defense is better than that defensive front because most of these guys that are here now were babies right? in that game. Freshmen, sophomore, and now they're juniors and seniors. So that's that's debatable. But my point is the standard has been set. They can show them on film. We can push them around. We've done it. We've been able to be successful being physical against this defense and this defensive front. And as Marcus Freeman said today, my guys are ready. My guys are ready. Right. Like I got, I have them right where I want them mentally. My guys are ready. Now we just go have, we have to go execute. Right. That's it. Because we're ready as a team. And that is for, for him to feel like he has gotten his team to that point. And Stanford was literally just, <laughs> it feels like yesterday. Like the lower yeah. standard, and for him to feel like he has his team ready to go on the Monday before the game, he's telling you the Monday before the game, they're ready. We're ready. Yeah. That's, yo, that's an accomplishment. And that goes to not just Marcus Freeman and the coaches, the players deserve credit for that as well. Yeah. Because everyone had to come together. Because they got to answer the bell. Absolutely. You can challenge them all you want, Absolutely. and you can do all the right things. And I mean, this is where the 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 line between coaching and play and playing comes. And and on this particular show, and and a lot of it's because of 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 our backgrounds and the things that we believe in is things that I believe in. That the guys that are on the show with me, they we have similar philosophies on on football, and that is you can talk about the Jimmys and the Joes, but I, I could give you, I could spend an entire hour talking about examples of teams that went from mediocre to really good with the same exact dudes. Mm-hmm. The only thing that changed was coaching or a mindset or whatever the case may be. Right. Notre Dame does not win a championship in 1988. If mm-hmm. Jerry Faust is still the head football coach. Right. I mean, it, it, you can talk about the dudes all you want. Right. And Jerry Faust recruited Tim Brown and a lot of the dudes that were on the 1988 national title team, not some of the younger guys, but a lot of the older guys. I mean, a lot of the guys on defense were Jerry Faust recruits, at least in the front seven anyway. And so you look at it, Sean, and, and you say. It, it's got to come to the coaches have to set the plan. They have to set the mentality, the mindset. They have to create the culture, the environment for players to grow and develop and all that. But then there comes a point in time where I can take you only so far. Now it's time for you to go do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big piece to this thing is, you know, if you can create the right environment. And I think I think it's important for him to take that mindset too, Sean, because if you do, if you do, because you could, you could, you could go into this game. There's another approach that Freeman, Coach Freeman could have taken. 
and, and, and hear me out on this. Mm-hmm. He could have gone into this game and been like, hey, we're this big underdog. Nobody believes in us. Nobody thinks we can play. We've got this giant juggernaut. And I think to a degree that's probably going to happen, yeah. but not from the disrespect nature of, of it, but you're trying to hype the opponent up so much in an attempt to try to take the pressure off of your team. Right. And, and, yeah. and I don't, I don't love that approach, but it's an understandable one. What I liked about it is, is because I think the approach, the approach that he's taking is, Hey guys, you don't have to put all this pressure on yourselves to play above and beyond. You just have to be you. And that's the, that's the mindset because I'm going to say this and Saturday is going to be the same exact story in 2020. When you took Trevor Lawrence out of that lineup, what we all realized is Notre Dame and Clemson are two very similar football very teams. Very similar programs. <laughs> very similar teams. Both really good in the trenches. Both had really good defensive lines. Notre Dame mm-hmm. had a, a little bit of a better offensive line. You know, Clemson had a great playmaker on the second and third level. Notre Dame had a great playmaker on the second or second and third level. You know, both had strengths at different places. Notre Dame had a great safety. You know, Clemson had maybe a better corner. Uh, both had big time playmakers, you know, at different positions. And, and, you know, Notre Dame had Kyron Williams at running back. They had, you know, uh, uh, they had Kyron Williams at, uh, in um, uh, Travis Etienne. I keep wanting to say the brother's name uh, that's now playing for Florida. You know, you had, you had talent tight end. You had Michael Mayer as a freshman. You had Tommy Tremble, who was a high draft pick. You had Javon McKinley, who, who made some big plays. And then you had an experienced quarterback in the book against a young kid making his second career start. And on that particular day, Notre Dame's quarterback made more plays in crunch time. Now, also almost lost the game with that fumble, but then recovered from the fumble and went and led them down late on a big-time touchdown drive and made the plays that he needed to make. Then you fast forward a month later, and you're playing in the in the championship game, and now Trevor Lawrence was back, and all of a sudden they look like two completely different football teams. Yeah, And so that's still going to be an element to Saturday, right? I think the difference now, however, is – Number one, Drew Pine has to play better. We'll get into that during the week. But number two is the margin for error outside of quarterback is much smaller for Notre Dame now than it was two years ago because the other team doesn't have that star mm-hmm. at quarterback that if you don't play the perfect game, you, you're you not going to have a chance to win. Yeah. And that's the difference now between these two teams. And so, and in some areas, you could say Notre Dame is better than Clemson is in some ways, at least – when they're playing their game. And that ultimately is what it comes down to, Sean, which version of their is going to, is going to come up because before we go into the coach Mason stuff, here's my final, my final piece to this. There's been a lot of talk about Notre Dame doesn't play at home, mm-hmm. play well at home this year. What do they got to do differently to play better at home? I don't know if we know if that's accurate or not. Is it because they don't play as well at home? Or is it because this team plays to the level of their competition or the perceived level? I've had people say, well, Notre Dame doesn't play to the level of their competition. North Carolina hasn't – somebody said this. North Carolina hasn't beat anybody, and BYU hasn't won a game since. You're, you're missing the point. It's the perception that the team has about the opponent they're about to play. Ohio State, number two team in the country. You, you're going to be ready for that one. Right. North Carolina, 3-0, and scoring a mess of points, high-octane offense, averaging over 50 points a game, averaging almost 600 yards of offense. You know that you're locked into that game. It's on the road. 
BYU, number 16 team in the country. It's it's the shamrock game. It's the glitz. It's, it's the glamour. It's the new you, You're mentally focused, locked into that game. And then Syracuse on the road. Was it because it was on the road or because you're playing the number 16 team in the country? At home, you've played Marshall. Who cares? Right? You've played Cal. Who cares? You played UNLV. Who cares? And you've played Stanford, who stinks, who you've blown out. There's not a kid on this roster that went into that game that, except for Josh Lug, you know, like the sixth year and Avery Davis, the sixth year seniors. There's not, there was not a single kid on this roster that has played in the game against Stanford that wasn't a blowout. Because every kid that was part of the 2018, 2019, 2020, and 21 classes have all played against Stanford in games where they blew them out. They blew them out 38 17 in 2018. They blew them, was it 45 to 24 in 2020? Mm-hmm. The record 2020, uh, 2019. They didn't play in 2020. It was four, yeah, 45 to 24. And then, of course, last year they beat them 45 to 14. So it's just kind of like you're overlooking them. You're like, ah, Stanford's no good. So right. is it a home issue or a quality of the competition issue? And the, and the lack of sometimes the lack of maybe leadership, maturity, whatever the case may be, of that team. And we're going to find out what the answer is on Saturday against Clemson because now you have the two worlds colliding. And so I don't know if it's necessarily a home versus away thing as much as it's as much as it's this is the first actual good team you're going to play at home. And what will their mentality be like? So I'm very curious to see how that's going to play out, Sean, and and what that dynamic is like. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Just before we go to Brian Mason, because I saw people in the chat talking about, you know, I'm not sure we can run on Clemson. And oh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> he always does that, man. He tries. To I, I had I had some video to accompany what I was about to say, but no. Um, if you go, Syracuse ran the ball for 4.4 clip. Mm-hmm. Florida State ran the ball for 4.4 clip. Now, the caveat is they both had quarterbacks that could do yeah. damage with their legs. Right. But even if you take away the quarterback's yardage, the running back still averaged right around four yards per carry. Right. If Notre Dame averages four yards per carry, it's going to be a good night because they're running the ball 30-plus times. Right. Minimum. Probably close to four. That's going to be a good night against this defense, and they have to take advantage of the opportunities in the past game. Right. We know that. We absolutely know that. I fully expect Notre Dame special teams to put their mark on this game in some way, form, or fashion, whether it's kickoff coverage, punt coverage, punting by John Sott, punt return. Something's going to happen in special teams for them to make a mark on this game. So absolutely. That was the big thing that was confusing with Syracuse being up to double digits. Sean Tucker had five carries. But guess what, Brian? 
he averaged ten yards a uh, right. ten yards a carry. Right. So that's that's on Syracuse for not taking advantage of the opportunity they had. Notre Dame's not making that mistake. Well, and the thing about Syracuse too is Clemson could could scheme their defense to take Sean Tucker out because of how much read zone that they did. Mm-hmm. And and you saw that you know Notre Dame was able to t- was able to attack them in a way where it's like they weren't worried about the quarterback pulling. No. Like they, you know, they they did a couple runs late after, but they were shutting it down. Syracuse tried to go away from that because their quarterback was banged up and Notre Dame shut it down. Yeah. And you know, but that's not the only game, right? Because here's the thing, Sean. What 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 we do, we you and I have always talked about this, is you can't just look at one game and say, Well, this is what happened on those five carries and the average 10.8 yards per carry. See, running backs can go on it. it it's not just that. The yeah. game before against Florida State, you know, you talked about how Jordan Travis had a lot of yards, you know, it was a good a legitimate runner. Jordan Travis ran for 64 yards that game. It's pretty impressive, right? Yeah. Uh, on 14 carries. Notre Dame doesn't have that. But Lawrence Tofili and Trey Benson combined for 137 yards on 18 carries yes, sir. in that game. Yes, sir. Right? And and then yeah. you look at the rest of the teams they've played. They haven't really played a lot of really good running teams. And that's that's the other part of it is, you know, they, they haven't really played. Like North Carolina State is uh, 100th in the country in rushing, Right. You know, Wake Forest doesn't have a – they're 83rd in the nation yeah. in rushing. So when you look at the rest of the teams that Clemson has played, you know, Georgia Tech's not a very good rushing team. They're, they rank 96th in the country in rushing. Uh, Furman's a 1AA team. Louisiana Tech ranks 111th in the nation in rushing. And then you look at Boston College. They're really bad at rushing the football as well. They rank yeah. – uh, 131st in rushing. How many teams are there in college football, Sean? 131. 131. Right? So they've played two teams. They've played two teams that rank in the top four, rank in the top 40 in rushing. Now, Syracuse doesn't rank in the top 40 anymore because of Notre Dame, <laughs> but they were ranked that high coming into that game. And that's Syracuse and it's Florida State. And then you look at what those two teams did to Clemson. You know, Syracuse, like you said, only rushed for 124, but 4.4 carry. Their running back had 10 yards carry. But but Florida State's the game I look to and say, yes. Florida State went for 206 yards. And even if you take away the quarterback runs, their two backs, combined, like I said, combined for 137 yards on 18 carries. Sean, that's a really impressive performance. That's what I'm talking uh, about. That's averaging, I'm looking at that, 7.6 yards a carry. I just – typed it in because I was trying to do math in my head and I couldn't couldn't figure it out. You know, but you look at it and you say, man, this is this is one of those games. You say, you know, Florida State was able to to run on them. Well Florida State has a run throw quarterback, but they don't have the line that Notre Dame has. They have a good line, but it's not the line that Notre Dame has. So, you know, there's a lot of things you can look at and say, hey, look, we've got to go do this. The opportunities are there. Can they do they have to play better than they did against Syracuse? Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wrote the article that I wrote today about you know, Drew Pine and Tommy Reese and about, you know, you got to switch things up to get that kid's mind right because you've got to get him back to looking like the kid that you saw against North Carolina and BYU. Yeah. And if you can get him back to being that kid, he doesn't need to be a world beater to beat Clemson. No. You just, just got to play your game, and that's going to be the key. That's going to be key to this, Sean. Next, I want to play what, what Coach Freeman said about Brian Mason because, I mean, we, we – 
Sean, we, we've heard all the stories about Brian Mason and how good of a job he's doing, how much the kids love him. And you see his energy on the sideline at games and you see how excited he is, excitable he is and how the players respond to him. And he's such a break from what they had before. I mean, it's just night and day contrast in every way imaginable. But there were some other comments that he said about him that I thought were really interesting that I want to play now for everybody. Yeah, I've worked with Brian Mason since 2011 when I was at Kent State, and we hired him as a defensive GA. And uh, Mace has those qualities in terms of work ethic, intelligence, um, the ability to connect with players that, that you see here 10, 11 years later that, you know, to me in my mind is, is he's one of the best, right? And, and um, you know, he does a great job. But why is because of his work ethic? Why? Because of his intelligence. Why? Because of his ability to teach and relate to players. You can have all these thoughts in your head, but if your players can't go out and execute it and have a belief in what you're presenting, you're not a great coach. All right? You might be really smart, but coaches are, are as good as their players can perform. And uh, that's what uh, really, you know, We'll run that back because of his ability to teach and relate to players. You can have all these thoughts in your head, but if your players can't go out and execute it and have a belief in what you're presenting, you're not a great coach. All right. You might be really smart, but coaches are are as good as their players can perform. And uh, that's what uh, really, you know, continues to make my belief in Brian Mason so strong. And you know what? He's he's continuing to get better. I mean, listen, you're not going to trick anybody. You've blocked three punts in the last two games, I think five this year. So, um, and it's not just punt block. You, you know, I challenged the special teams unit in kickoff return. We had been below average in kickoff return. What you see last week, we got one opportunity and it came out for 30-something plus yards and could have went almost, you know, we get one more block, it could go farther. And so that's what you love to see, guys, that – you know, step up to a challenge, but also enhance the things they're really good at. Now, I want to say something. I've had people say that that was a that was a shot at Tommy Reese. I don't I don't think that's what it was. Oh. I think that was that's what he sees in Brian Mason. That was a guy that he went out and said that when he's putting his staff together, that's my guy. And we heard a lot of names about the you know as far as special teams coordinators who might be interested in some guys who are bigger names than Brian Mason. But this was the guy that was always targeted from Marcus Freeman's side of things to the guy he wanted. Yeah. And so I, I don't think that was a shot at Tommy Reese. But I will say this: those are the things that he said after the Stanford loss that they needed to do on offense and defense. Mm-hmm. And that that's exactly the, he says, look, we, you know, we maybe got to scale things back. We've got to make sure that our kids understand what they're doing so they can go play fast. And that's exactly the deal on special teams. It's one thing for you to have all these schemes and all these plays. And this is because I could easily say that that's a silent dig at Al Golden. If we want to, you know, think about who he's playing, who's he's talking to, right? That's an issue on both sides of the ball. It's just a greater issue on offense. I don't think it was a dig at either one of them. I think it was a praise of, Brian Mason, but there's a lot in there for the other two coaches. And I think when you break the film down, I don't think Al Golden is all of a sudden Clark Lee all of a sudden and just running a scaled down offense and just let your defense, let your guys go run. But he has taken some things away uh, from a checks and adjustments and just letting these kids play and more, more calls that tell them what to do as opposed to letting them read and react and think and flow and all that. And I think that's what we saw to a degree on Saturday against Syracuse offensively. You know, I mean, there were some things I would have liked to seen this and I would have liked to have seen that. And there's certainly things that I did after the show critique and would have critiqued last night. If I'd have done the upon further review, I'd like to see this. I like to see that. 
that's kind of what we do. But you can't necessarily say there was a, a million things in the offense that game because in the second half, they just lined up in 13 personnel the whole fourth quarter and said, we're running duo, try and stop it. And they couldn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, you know how hard that is? Like, let's not just gloss over that. Yeah. There are other big-time Division One players, Power 5 players on the other side of the ball. Yes. They're just not allowing yes. you to do that. You are literally taking their will. I hear offensive linemen talking about it all the time. There's nothing better than moving somebody against their will. Like, I'm taking you here, and you're going to end up over there. And there's nothing you can do about it. And when we get up from this play, I'm coming right back. Right. We'll be right back. That's soul crushing, Sean. Yes. I mean, and, and that's why, I mean, that's that's the thing is that's the statement that you make because you're not only, here's the thing, you're not only doing it to Syracuse, but Clemson's watching that and thinking, man, we just played this team. Mm-hmm. We know who this team is. We know how physical, because, hey, look, that game was physical for Clemson as well. It Clemson wasn't like do that from the jump. No. They couldn't no. do that from the jump. No. They had to wear them down. Right. Right. Notre Dame did that from game from from snap one. And so those are the things you look at, Sean, and you say, you know, man, like, but but my thing was going to be is this Clemson defense knows they know who Notre Dame is. I mean, who who Syracuse is. They know the physicality and the quickness and the way that that Syracuse played that game. And that's why they fell behind 21 to 10. They're going to watch Notre Dame do that and be like, man, okay, wow. Like that's well, that's that's really that's impressive. They're gonna see that and know like these cats are these cats are serious. So I think that's the thing is like, look, it's it's it doesn't matter how smart you are, it's your kids gotta know it. Cause and they and he also but he also said, and there's gotta be a, a belief in what you're doing. And that's one of the things I wrote in the article today is you know, I can hammer time Reese all I want and I will, but here's the deal. There are things that happen on Saturday that I'm not going to put on Tom Reese's shoulders because at some point in time, Drew Pine's got to say, man, I I, I got to make this play, right? And, and yeah, okay, maybe I wasn't given enough reps about something if I'm going to critique something, but I got to make that play. I've thrown a million screen passes in my life. I can't throw that ball at Lorenzo Styles' feet. I've thrown Michael Mayer 175 quick outcuts in the last two weeks alone. I can't miss that throw on third and three. You know, and, and it comes down to it to where – Drew's got to trust himself, trust his teammates, and trust the system to just say, go play, right? And you're seeing that on special teams. You're starting to see that more and more and more on defense. And now the final piece is getting the offense as a whole to buy into that. I think they've definitely bought into it up front and at running back. Like the running back's level of patience in the last three, four games compared to where it was early – yeah. Like, remember the critique, the big critique we had of Logan Diggs last year? And, and everybody knows I'm hugely, I'm very high on Logan Diggs. Graded him higher than Audrick coming out of high school. I said he was a top 150 kind of kid, borderline top 100 type of back. Love Logan Diggs. And, I, and he showed his talent last year. But the thing I said was him and Kyron both started developing really bad habits because of the line. Where yeah. as soon as I got the ball, they were looking to bounce or cut. And we saw a lot of that from Logan against Ohio State. Right in limited snaps, but we started seeing that you know over the next couple of weeks and and even a little bit against North Carolina. But the last couple of games, he's been so patient behind the line when he needs to be, because there's a level of trust in his head that if I stay patient, these cats are going to show they're going to open up the, the the hole for me, and then I can hit yeah. it. 
Yeah. And when he needs to bounce it because the defense got through, he bounces it and he's effective at it. But that's a big reason he's been so good the last couple of weeks is because you can just see he's playing with confidence, not just in himself, because Logan has never doubted himself. Right. Which is you, you that's a that's a compliment, by the way, in case someone thinks I'm taking a shot or calling him arrogant. You want you can't play running back at this level or receiver or quarterback if you're not confident in yourself. But it's one thing to be confident in yourself, it's another thing to be confident in those cats in front of you blocking. And the way that him and Audric ran on Saturday and the way that Logan has ran really the last two weeks, he's running like a dude, like these cats are going to open up the hole and then I get to go do my thing. And it's really been impressive. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing that against what is, in my opinion, the best front seven they're going to face all year. In my yeah. view, it's not the best defense they're going to face all year, no. but it's the best front seven they're going to face all year. Man, it, 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 you know, I like stepping out on a limb by myself. I, I don't mm-hmm. mind. I'll step out there. I think they can be successful running the ball. I think they will be successful running the ball. And just like you said, this is the apex of defensive fronts this season. Mm-hmm. They, I will predict that they will roll the USC defense. Yeah, if they beat Clemson, if, if they if they, they lose to USC, Sean, at the end of the year, at the only it was only going to be in, in a shootout. Yes, only, yeah. If they beat Clemson, oh, to your point, if, if they beat Clemson, if big if they if beat they beat this, if they get the confidence of overcoming this defensive front, I guarantee you Lincoln Riley is looking at them like with the same mindset that Dino Babers has. Like he just happens to have an offense that can count. Right. 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 But the point is you won't be on the field. Right. That's the whole point. Right. You're going to be on the sideline. I'm telling you, this game is – we can't even describe the levels and layers of how important this game is. Even with the disappointing season. And I'm glad, I'm glad this team is right where they are. I'm glad they're right where they are mentally. I'm glad they're ready to go. And like you said, Drew Pine, the offensive line. Look, Clemson's going to try to do some of the same things. The Syracuse did. Syracuse came in with the game plan. We're going to take care, take advantage of our big wide receivers on Benjamin Morrison. Sure. They're going to try Bo Collins and Gata. Clemson's going to try the exact same thing, right? Benjamin Morrison, he's going to he's going to be solid. Right. He's going to be exactly what he's been. Are they going to have some shots to get some balls? Yeah. And they will catch some, just like they Syracuse did. Some. They're going to catch yeah. some. Yeah. But, but you know what was Syracuse, Sean? What was Syracuse's completion success against Benjamin Morrison? For all the talk about, them, they went two of five. And if you and if you count the interception that should not have been taken away, it's two of six. And if you look at two Marcus passes on Freeman, Marcus Freeman said we told he was playing bumper run. Yeah. We told him to bail. So. That's I reached out to someone else about that to see if that was just coach covering for Benjamin. And I was told the same exact thing by another source. Like, no, no, that was, that was our mistake. Like we told him and, and they didn't, they didn't do a good enough job of explaining like how he should have bailed on that yeah. one. He, yeah. he whipped, he bailed out, yeah. which is what you do to the field. Yeah. Whereas in the red zone, you're going to bail, but you're going to bail in to try to prevent that. You know, it's right. just, it's a technical mistake that they just didn't, and I think part of that is 
he's such a mature player for his age that sometimes you assume, you know, that, that you can say something to him that you could say to Clarence Lewis because Clarence right. is going to know what he means because Clarence has you know, been through it. Yeah. Kind of thing. So, yeah. uh, you know, but, but, but how did he bounce back? Right. This is the thing is he, he, and then like a series later, he gets a defensive pass interference called on him or defensive holding called on him. Right. You're thinking, boy, how is, but he, after that, I really couldn't do a whole lot on him. Yeah. I mean, you know, so he, it's that mental toughness that this entire team needs to start showing more and more of. He did it to a degree against Syracuse. Now they need to take it to another level because I don't know if playing the way you did against Syracuse is, is quite enough to beat Clemson. It's going to make it a four-quarter game. I still think at quarterback you need to make a couple more plays to be able to beat Clemson that you did not make against against Syracuse. Yeah. But if you can, you know, but it's going to be a game. Sean, that's going to do it for this portion of the Ivy Nation Sports Talk. We're going to have a rapid fire coming up next. But before we jump to that rapid fire, please make sure that you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell, subscribe to this channel, hit the uh, subscribe button to CFB Nation as well. So we're hoping to have some really big news coming to our CFB Nation channel here very soon. I'm hoping very soon, Sean, hoping very soon. Uh, So we'll we'll get to that. But uh, up next, we're going to have our rapid fire. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.